Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome, everybody, to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is our producer, Tony. Hi. And our co-host, Hector. Hello. Our main topic this week will be centered around several lawsuits that have been filed against Sony, but before that, we have all the news that's fit to discuss. And before we start, don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Our patron-exclusive episode about the Final Fantasy VII remake is currently available to listen there. With all the introductions out of the way, it's time for the prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week, what we've been watching, what we've been playing, what's been occupying our free time. Uh, Hector, why don't we start with you this week? Sure, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff. Well, uh, first of all, uh, just for a nice heartwarming story, I saw my mom for Mother's Day. Nice. And uh, we watched WandaVision, like, like binge the whole thing. Wow, and, yeah, wow, that's she, a... she was super into it. Like, yeah. it, you know, it starts with the uh, the sitcoms of the 50s that she was, like, super remembering while we were watching it. And she's like, oh, I know where this set is from. Oh, mm. I know what this show is supposed to be. That's awesome. And, you know, just... She was having her own, like, Captain America, I understand this reference moment, and mm-hmm. it was just awesome to watch. So, That's yeah, great. that was super cool. Um, other than that, been playing a lot of video games this week. Uh, I played uh, Metro Exodus, now that the Enhanced Edition came out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the only game so far that requires an RTX card to even run. Wow. Uh, like, like will not turn on if it does not detect an RTX-capable card. Mm-hmm. And the whole deal is it's just Metro Exodus, but all the lighting pipelines have been changed. There's no longer any lighting that doesn't come from a direct overhead or singular source. There's no artificial lights anywhere in the game. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes it look really amazing. Uh, it's been really cool to see. I played Metro Exodus originally, and it's a really fun game. Mm-hmm. And... I really want to play the RTX version. <laughs> yeah, it was already a beautiful game. Yeah, yeah, and I just went, now I'm like, cool, so you made it look better. Yeah. Fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. when am I going to get one of my hands on one of these cards that can do that? Oh, yeah, like in like 17 years. Yeah, but, but when the next one comes out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I've also been playing a lot of uh, Apex Arena, a- Apex's new arena mode. Okay. Um, it's fantastic. It's three versus three, which you would think they would need more people, but it's actually really perfect for the game type. They really thought this through. Mm-hmm. Map it's, size is good. Map size is perfect. It's like... Um, I think of it like a smaller version of Blood Gulch. There's always like two bases, but mm-hmm. it still has the battle royale mechanic where the map you can the part of the map you can occupy shrinks, mm-hmm. and okay. the circle will That's always roll over one of these bases, but always starts over both. So you can kind of choose where you're going to go, and then like have to collapse into another point later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the matches are fast. I've never had one. Like, uh, 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 you have to win by two, and it's best of three. So you can play, like, seven, eight matches pretty easily if it's evenly uh, matched. Um, even still, I never had a match last longer than, like, 10, 15 minutes. Wow. Because the kills nice. come fast, and it's really fun to play. Nice. It's I've... just a great shooting mechanic, because they're from Titanfall 2. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. I really kind of want to play that <laughs> yeah that, that's great and the last thing is i um i finished my first run of returnal mm-hmm. uh you know how most uh roguelites when you finish your first run the game's like oh yeah so here's the rest of the game yeah yeah that's what just happened to me so oh, okay. yeah so it's and we will be talking about returnal a little bit later on cool um so yeah that was me tony what you got uh, various things. I just got a note here that says kids uh, movies need a practical effects to show them that they can do it too. I don't know. It was a random high thought. That's um, a good one. I was that's, thinking that's about weird. Eli Roth's, um, the, uh, 
House of the Clock on the Walls. Yes. And how it does have a lot of CGI stuff in there, but there's still some practical effects. And I was like, you know what? I really hope he adds more practical effects to it if he does another kid's horror movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was the end of that thought. I just felt like sharing that one. Um, let's see. I watched... Well, this is a, a while ago. I watched uh, Concrete Cowboy. Idris Elba's uh, Netflix movie. It's going to be up for awards next okay. year. It's this year, okay. so next year. Uh, it's really cool story about the 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 cowboys that, that are still lit, being gentrified. Just watch the movie. It's it's fucking great. Gotcha. It's going to win awards. It's, it's, so. yeah. it's, it's going to it's it's one of those things that like I'm going to suggest people watch, but no one's going to watch it, and it's going to be up on awards ceremony. And they're like, oh yeah, we should have watched. It. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last one was a movie that is on Shudder that people should be watching, or at least I think they're watching this. It's not a horror movie. Uh, a Dog Doesn't Wear Pants. Okay. Mm. It's a non-English movie. Um, it's, I don't know, it's tall white people land. So Norse something, whatever okay. the fuck. I don't know what language it is. Right. Um they uh it's a story of dude who loses his wife and then finds himself through bondage and okay. um sadomasochistic uh exploration okay it's, and it treats the subject matter matter in a, in a yeah, respectable it's not, way it's, it's under shutter because it is probably wouldn't it find shows, an audience anywhere yeah, else it's, well it's also just i'm gonna ruin the ending because probably no one's gonna watch it a tooth gets pulled out and it's mm-hmm. you're just kind of like Oh, blood, tooth, and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's that's like kind of one of the heights of the violence in it, but it is considered violent and gory and stuff mm-hmm. because of what it is what is being shown, but it's mm-hmm. also showing you a story of someone who's learning who they are and accepting what has happened in their life. And it's just, I think it's a really beautiful movie. Okay. It's just you have to understand this is a story about someone that wants to get themselves beaten to death mm-hmm. right sounds really raw yes um i know that we all kind of spent a little bit of time this week watching the new netflix superhero show yeah yeah jupiter's legacy yeah and so this is a mark miller uh comic mm-hmm. that they've translated uh, and obviously netflix was looking for a superhero show of their own yeah i mean um, after the success of the boys right yeah, yeah i mean we're just in a prime time for it right now and so with shows like invincible taking off things like the boys taking off um you know this new mark miller show um, well, it's good. part of his universe. This is part the, of the Miller verse. Yeah. yeah. This is part of Netflix. Whenever they bought into writers, creators, things this is part of Mark Miller's world. Okay. And it's already an existing comic book franchise mm-hmm. um, that he's bringing to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so there are other separate comics that connect to this that are likely be made into properties on Netflix. Possibly. I mean, within but his world Mark doesn't Miller's necessarily. World. Yeah. It does. They don't necessarily connect. The Miller world logo is basically him being like, these are all my titles. I am the property owner of these things. Gotcha. So that's what you're seeing when you see the Miller world thing come up. Uh, that being said, I don't want to get into too many spoilers because it just came out um, on a very base level. The story is the story of a young up and coming super, hero with a dad who is basically Superman. If any of you have watched Invincible, yeah. the premise is there. The comparisons can be made. The comparisons can be made. I, the further I get into the show, the less I like making that comparison when mm. I introduce people to it. But um, it starts that way. It definitely starts feeling that way. It wouldn't if we hadn't literally just watched Invincible. Right. But since we did, yeah, it's a really obvious comparison to make. Yeah. It had, 
how does everybody feel about it? any of the Olympian gods mm-hmm. or anything is in right. stories but, but a, a as well. It's that being, kind of right. story. A key difference <laughs> being, spoiler for both first episodes, uh, in the first episode of Invincible, we found we find that the Superman, the, the, the father that is Superman, has an incredible capacity for violence. Right. And what we learn about the Superman figure in Jupiter's legacy is that upon pain of his own life and the life of everyone he loves, he will not take a life. Right, like no matter what, he's actually and pretty so fanatical. Of there, it. there is a the word moral literally die before he will kill, kill someone. someone. Yeah, right. and so there's a moral question that comes up as is basically why don't we kill? Mm-hmm. Right, like that's the question because it's he's got a very old, old school mentality. I would rather die than have a bad guy be killed, and everybody else is kind of going, yeah, but the world doesn't work like that anymore. Right. At that right. point, like what's left. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's this argue of values and, and it's about superheroes in the modern era. Um, there is a comparison that's being made on the internet that's kind of, uh, it's very much like DC's Kingdom Come series, mm-hmm. uh, which is very much about the old school Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman trying to exist in a modern world where, you know, criminals have access to arsenals that like can nuke cities and stuff. Yep. Like where we where do we draw the line morally? The escalation. What, what yeah. happened? How do you... Whenever, why do our cops have tanks? Right. right. Because, I will, for multiple reasons, but right. it's the escalation thing. Right. It's mm-hmm. the, you have this, then so we have to have this. Right. And the, but it's, it's an expression of that story. And I think that's really cool that we can start telling superhero stories that can tell modern reflections of society. Be like, hey, why are we, what are the moral conundrums of in modern society? Right. And, this story is very well acted. It takes place mm-hmm. over a hundred years, roughly, because mm-hmm. um, it's there's time. It kind of starts in the thirties. Yeah, it yeah. T- starts in the thirties, but it's also now because it takes yeah, the mo- next generation. The vast majority, yeah, it's kind of a uh, meanwhile elsewhere like st- structure and plot, which is always good editing when you're dri- writing a story. But this meanwhile elsewhere always just time jumps to a completely different spot, so yeah. you kind of follow two stories at the same time, which I really did learn to like. Because they were both good stories, and every time we got back to the other one, I was happy. Right. So they, they did a great job with it. By that. the end of the series, I'm only one know it's finished. It is, it's, I liked, the, I really like that idea of storytelling. It feels mm. like those episodes are issues that were telling me those two stories. Mm. Right. And then I get the next episode or issue, and I get those two stories. Mm-hmm. And they might be about one character or a bunch of characters, yeah. but it's really different way to tell this tell a story and unlike Invincible which was very much the we are just going to animate to the comic book yeah. right. this is live action you have the actors involved it's mm-hmm. edited differently but it's the same it's yeah. really good I, yeah. I thought so I, I highly recommend it mm-hmm. if you're if you're down on not having a superhero show right now this is the one for you yep. like pick it up watch it it's only like eight episodes so it's pretty easy they're hour long episodes mm-hmm. and that's everything that we have for the prelude this week hang with us though because when we come back we'll be going into our main news segment in the weekly raid weekly raid hey everyone welcome back to the show this is the weekly raid our news roundup for the week we've got a ton to cover so let's jump right in Amazon is getting into the anthology game with a new show called Unknown. Uh, Craig McNeil, who worked on The Twilight Zone and Castle Rock, will be working on this series. It's being billed as a psychological horror anthology series that plunges into the corners of the American landscape, probing the intersections of folklore and our bloody history of true crime. 
The first season is centered around an estranged brother and sister who return to the Texas killing fields only to encounter a dark spirit that inhabits the region from their childhood. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why I watch so few shows on Amazon Prime because every time I do, I'm like, God damn, that was a great show. I know. Like so, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean start, I'm starting back with like, season of Marvelous Mrs. like the uh, Man in the High Castle. So, like, yeah. fuck, man. That show is so, like, more people needed to watch The Man in the High oh, Castle. Oh, man. Fleabag, like, one of the my favorite shows of the year when it came out by mm-hmm. far. Yeah. Yeah. And it was such a, it was like three but episodes. Amazon getting into the horror anthology game. Now, from what, what I understand about it, mm-hmm. um, the anthology part is not per episode, it is per season. So it's like American Horror Story, okay. where the season is the anthology part of it. Uh, that's ambitious for them to go, like, hey, this is an anthology series per season here's the first season hope you like it yep <laughs> yeah uh next season will not be this way <laughs> i'm pro this mostly because the idea of taking a horror st- st- series and trying to just continue it down the same road every yeah. year gets real old and ncisy <laughs> the walking dead yeah um so maybe let's branch out and do, do tell these hey you get one yeah. book cool we're gonna tell that book you get a book you will tell that book i got a book hey that's three seasons we just made a whole series yeah fuck it why not do this instead of having these confusing nonsense plot lines and and i feel like this would would have uh, ultimately been a really good topic for the boss room but the way that we watch tv changed from the pandemic and the way that we like taken media has changed so we have got shows now that are willing to do things like Jupiter's Legacy and be an eight episode run, mm-hmm. right? Like BBC style, here's like eight episodes, yep. done. We're taking risks and doing those things because we are so starved for media to consume mm-hmm. that we want it like now. And we don't need to have it be a 24 episode Buffy the Vampire Slayer season one run. Yeah, can we not we, ever with we, 24 again? Right. We just need it like to be like a few episodes long. Hours or the show. Right. <laughs> and specifically, this this conversation, this dialogue has actually appeared thanks to um, the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Things like WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier have fundamentally changed the way that we consume media now. Oh, yeah. And so you tell me that you're going to give me this, you know, upcoming Netflix horror anthology show. I don't want it to fall prey to what I call the uh, American Horror Story Syndrome, which is where the first 12 episodes of any American hor- Horror Story season are really good. Oh, yeah. And then episode 13 is just like shit. It's like, why did you have a 13th episode? Right. Like, like, and, uh, Ryan, and Ryan Murphy one of the things learned about from the, that. Yeah. Um, with American Horror Story, it was specifically being on-aired television with commercials, yeah. and it had to be written and directed and scripted mm-hmm. that way. Yep. Yeah. We are not going... We are not telling those types mm-hmm. of stories anymore either. That is whenever... Beyond the last year of us all being trapped inside and needing to consume, the, mm-hmm. the types of stories that we tell and the way we tell those stories has also changed. Yeah. Meaning we're getting these longer form stories that can be singularly focused over one story arc, which is what yeah. is, is great. I'm... I I I'd lost the I lost the train there. I just really <laughs> hope they, they, they learn a lot. Like, Amazon learns a lot from Netflix when it comes to this, when it comes to ending an anthology series because for my money the uh 
uh, you know, Haunting of Hill House and Bly mm. Manor, they d- nail their ending. They do, absolutely. In a way that, like, I mean, every time I watch the end of The Haunting of Hill House, I, I am a uh, absolute mess. Yeah. And I know it's coming. I oh, know yeah. it's coming. Bly Manor makes me just tear up all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. Like, like, Bly Manor more... Bly Manor but... is just Cry Manor. It's just, yeah, yeah, it really it's is. Cry Manor. It's like every episode. For me, Hill House, like, ended really cryy. Mm. Like, in a great way. Like, don't get me Bly wrong. Bly was like, we're just going to cry from the beginning. Yeah, Bly is just like, all of this is horrific and tragic and i'm sad for all of these people because i like them (laughs) the cult video hit faces of death is going to be getting some new screen time as a new movie is being made by the directors of cam the plot revolves around the moderator of a video website who finds a group of people obsessed with the original faces of death movies and they are trying to recreate the deaths from the films uh, they are going to try to keep with the feel of the original Faces of Death movie, that being the is it real or not look, uh, according to sources. Mm. So if you're unfamiliar with Faces of Death, I know that we have some people in the audience that are a little bit younger. It's, it, let's talk about what this is historically. Mm-hmm. So Faces of Death was a series of uh, direct-to-video films that uh, came in the, I think it was the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And the big question that was asked when these movies came out is the movies specifically are just about people animals things dying Mm -hmm. and people needed to know like is this actually snuff right are there actually is this a snuff film right and for the most part we've confirmed like they were just movies that were made that's a lot of really great special effects yeah however there are some scenes in faces of death like uh animal torture and death that actually were filmed and that is bad Mm -hmm. right you don't don't do that do those things um so they have they were kind of a legendary thing there was always like that like goth kid in your high school who like Hey man, have you seen Faces of Death? Like yep. there was always one, and that's what it was. It was this underground, and there was a whole movement based around these kind of films. It started with Faces of Death, but then there were tons of offshoots. Mm-hmm. Tons of people started making these like pseudo snuff looking films. Yeah, and, we we have. Um, I mean, a lot of that is where Blair Witch came from. Right, like Blair Witch was born out of stuff like this. Yeah, and so now it's just been out of the public. I for so long mm-hmm. that we have directors and writers stepping up and saying like, Hey, can we revisit that? But like do something with it instead of it just being like, here's a weird shot that may or may not be somebody getting strangled to death. Like, yeah, I would really love for them to do that. Um, there's no more novelty in, uh, is this movie real or not? We just, we can't do that anymore. It's the internet right. guys. Like we can't, but if they take the format and like deconstruct why we wanted to see that i would really love to watch that movie yeah. love to watch that movie it'll be interesting uh knives out 2 has begun casting and so far this week it's been announced that dave batista edward norton and Catherine hahn are all scheduled to appear like okay so this is on top of daniel craig coming back to reprise yeah, his role like you already had me with knives out too like obviously and it could have had nobody come back right. as long as ryan johnson was coming back i was in right but like they ryan just johnson's keep... making another movie yeah okay i'm gonna watch it but they just keep <laughs> dropping these cast members that i'm like yep makes me horny yep makes me horny <laughs> yep makes me horny and i don't mean like in an i want to fuck them way i mean like i want to fuck this movie sort of way <laughs> like this this sounds like it's going to be great I'm super hyped. I'm looking for this. forward to when we're actually going to find out the actual title of it because it's not going to be called. It probably Knives won't out. be. It Knives needs out to too. be Knives In. <laughs> That's what it has to be. And speaking of things that make Hector horny, mm. it Adult Swim announced that there are original animated shows, Metalocalypse, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and The Venture Brothers will all be getting films. 
Okay. So, yes, this is accurate. Um, <laughs> uh, Venture Brothers is not... I don't make it a secret that Venture Brothers is probably my favorite animated show of all time. And that includes Rick and Morty and uh, everything else that you're thinking of. Uh, all the shows. Yeah, yeah. All the shows that you're thinking of. Uh, Venture Brothers is my favorite. I, never did I laugh as hard. Never did I love the characters as much. I think the writers and animators are beyond talented. The problem is it takes them like three years to make an eight episode season. Right. Um, if, if, if only that long. So we've been pretty starved for it, and then finally we found out recently that it was canceled. So the fact that they're making a movie to wrap it up, oh my god. Now that's the story of Metalocalypse too, though, right? Yeah, it was canceled like mid them telling a story. Metalocalypse and like, well. is the next one I was going to talk about, because that one's more of a guilty pleasure of mine, because I just... The aesthetic I cannot get enough of. I can't get enough of how stupid metal it is. Mm -hmm. It's like so metal that it no longer makes sense, but... It, but it, it is a meta commentary on the metal genre. Yeah, in, in the best way. And I love Metalocalypse. I can't show it to everyone because a lot of people just wouldn't get it. But it makes me laugh and it makes a lot of people I know laugh. Me and Lash love it all the way to death. And they ended it the with a <laughs> yeah. musical. The, the last thing we saw of Metalocalypse was a Metalocalypse metal fucking musical. And it was glorious. And anyone who hasn't seen it let me know and you can come to my house and I will watch it with you. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is, I, I will watch this anytime at the drop of any hat because I love musicals and I fucking love Metalocalypse. And this is a great mm -hmm. example of both, but it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger mm -hmm. and we got it before 2012. So yeah, it's been a while. It's been a little while guys. And we're sure we won't see in the movie until 2022 probably. Right? So that's about 10 years in between. So yeah, can't be hype enough for both. I was never a fan of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah. Originally I was going to say that that's cool that they're announcing this. It's never going to come out because Adult Swim's very, was very bad about announcing shit and then just kind of like letting it just fade away into non-existence. Yeah. Well, I know if Brandon Small, Bre Brandon confirmed that he's doing mm. Metalocalypse and he's already working on it. So I'm super happy about that. Yeah. As far as uh, Doc Hammer's concerned, um, I, I don't know. It just takes him so long to make anything. <laughs> like, I hope the Venture Brothers movie comes out, uh, but I will not harass him about it. I'm above that. But yeah, we all know that. So the general consensus is we absolutely know that Aqua Teen Hunger Force is going to happen because that's what, oh, one that everybody doesn't happen. want yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah, Aqu give me, giving us another Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie is. I don't know who was asking for that. No one, no one asked no one, for that. They were just like, I guess we got to do three, right? So well, just, uh, maybe they understood that it was one of their most, uh, you know, one, one of their most popular franchises when it was airing, which is right. true. Um, I just don't think it aged well. It, no, it aged very. It aged like the first couple seasons of South Park. Like mm. it's bad. Yeah. yeah. I was. I was thinking though, since this is like the, the OG kind of lineup for Adult Swim for their in-house. Well, actually, not the OG stuff for the in-house animation, but it's basically a, a time frame. The announcing these three movies. What if they're actually all part of like one crossover event? <laughs> and they're all going to like I don't know, going to meet Wad's butthole or some crap. And that, that's the universe. <laughs> that's how they all connect, and they're going to have a giant fight with I don't I don't know horse people or something. I'm or, just I just really <laughs> want to go home and watch the Metalocalypse musical again. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you've been frustrated with the Returnals save system, which at times can make you lose hours of gameplay, 
the developers took to Twitter this week to let everybody know that this issue is a top priority for them and they are actively working to find a solution. Uh, Hector, maybe you can speak a little bit more to this? Yeah, absolutely. So they're um, in Returnal, it, you, it, it's a roguelite. You do runs. When you die, you reset. The thing about Returnal, much unlike a lot of other roguelites, is a run that is going well can easily last you upwards of an hour and a half, even two hours if you're being thorough. Now, that is a long time to be playing a game without being able to stop. And when I say without being able to stop, I mean you can pause the game, but you can't do anything else after that. You can suspend your PlayStation, you can put it to sleep, turn it back on, and as long as nothing has happened, you just open the game back up and your run is right where you left it. But when the PlayStation goes to sleep, it updates games, or if there's a power outage or anything else, if anything happens to that PlayStation, or if you so much as dare to start playing another game and close the Returnal app, your run is over. You are starting over. Every The run you were in the middle of is gone forever. That is oh, how okay. most roguelites work. <laughs> the problem is oh. the game is very hard and being on a good run feels very good. And then needing to get up and go to work or something and then coming back to a not run, it can be very demotivating. Yeah, I would stop playing, I, honestly, yeah. at, at some point. I mean, it's what I did with... Um, mm-hmm. uh, Hades. Hades. Hades, yeah. yeah. I just got. I was like, oh, crap, I died when I didn't want to. Oh, I'm just going to stop playing now. Yeah, and so and that's the nature of roguelites. People who will move past that are the ro- are the market for this genre of game. Mm-hmm. But and and you know, a part of me wants to just be like get good, but I can say that I have experienced this before and I was not too pleased, but I realized what had happened and I didn't think the game wrong to be done this way. Sure. That being said, I understand that Returnal wants to appeal to the market considering it is an expensive game, and it is kind of the only name in next-gen graphics on the next-gen consoles right now um, as far as, like, new games go. Right. So they really want to appeal it to as many people as possible. They want as many people to buy it as possible, which is a topic we'll be talking about later. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm, I don't mind them putting in a save system. I might try and be cool and not use it, but I'll probably end up using it. Right. Like, yeah. Okay, why? so I mean, for me, it's it's the why not? Like, I would much rather have the that stability mm-hmm. than lose, you know, possibly four hours of work. Because mm-hmm. if you go real slow, you know, that's that's yeah. real shitty to not have just a, mm-hmm. like a hey, just insta save and then yeah. move on. But I totally understand why they wouldn't put mm-hmm. that in there. I thought though well, like that you the can't PlayStation, save, right? You can't quick save, quick yeah. load because it destroys well, the game. Well, the other issue about this is that if the game updates. Because it's set to auto update, mm-hmm. it closes the game. Oh, so yes. if you if you went to bed knowing like, oh my run's fine, mm-hmm. and they patch, you just woke up to your run gone. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also thought that the the standby state of the PlayStation mm-hmm. was for games like this. It did basically a quick save, and you could turn mm-hmm. it off and then turn it's, it back. It's on. only suspended. It, it, it's as if you minimized a window in Windows. Yeah. If that okay. program closes, whatever was going on in there is gone. Okay. So it's not. Yeah. It's different than the way I was thinking it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you've been keeping up with the horror documentary series In Search of Darkness, you'll be pleased to know that In Search of Darkness 3 has been greenlit. The series, which highlights horror from the 80s, will continue its trend of being about four hours per episode with the third installment. 
I haven't actually watched In Search of Darkness yet. It's on my to-watch list. I am about an hour into the first one. Um, It is very thorough, Mm -hmm. and it has really great interviews from all of the relevant people for the movies they're watching. It is a staggering, staggeringly complete work. And again, I'm only an hour into the first one. Mm. And apparently they did the first one and they're like, good, we got it all. And people were like, dude, here's what you missed. And they're like, oh God, dude, we got it all. And then they're like, nah, but what about Japan though? And they're like, oh God. <laughs> so like, yeah, they keep going. I'll also point out that the same people are uh, in the um, in the process of making uh, In Search of the Future, which is the same idea, but for sci-fi movies. Where's this at? Like, I Shutter. know nothing about the Shutter. Shutter. Okay, cool. This, this is a Shutter, Shutter series. Yes. I am. I want to. So if you see want, this. this sounds cool. Sixteen hours of horror documentary. You've got it. Yep. You fucking got it. Just on the eighties. Just on the eighties. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> According to Google, the Stadia is quote alive and well, and they're going to have over a hundred new games launching in twenty twenty one. This comes on the heels of the news last week that Stadia is closing their own game department. This tweet brought to you by Ted Cruz. Like <laughs> what? No, Stadia, you are not alive and well. <laughs> it just seems like a weird thing to say, right? Like, why did they need to come out and do that? I know that there was a lot of questions when we mentioned it last week. Like, why did the head developers mm-hmm. leave, and why did you know they closed down their own internal game studio i mean listen listen listen. all your questions are just getting in the way of the fact that google stadia is alive and well and 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 is a hundred very popular with the chillins and there there will um, be this year lots of people 100 games will be released Mm -hmm. across various consoles and pcs and stuff and they will also be coming to stadia there will be not an exclusive among them, and, but and, 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 come on now. How are we going to beef at Stadia? They just added a search bar to their platform. Oh, they did. Just they did. Week. Just this week. Just this week. There is a, there is now a search bar where you can search for games that you can Google, get on Stadia. Google finally before, let you search. All you could do was scroll through a large list of games to find the one you wanted. Yep. In um, a Google platform. Yeah. You'd think that like a search bar would be the first thing that everything that Google has is yeah. immediately installed with. Like like but, they make Google anything. Search bar is the first thing. Like Google Toaster, where's the search bar? Yeah. Right? Google Wine Bottle, where's the search bar? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. That's just It's on the bottom of our phones right there. Yeah. yeah. I literally but have three the, different ways to get yeah, to the search bar. On the I actually still think Google Stadia it is a legitimate platform at some point. It's just not there right now. Mm-hmm. It is the best place to play competitive Destiny 2. There's mm-hmm. not because the ha- literally there's not hackers on it. Right. They <laughs> can't get into it. Yeah, right. so you that just have sense. to deal with some laggy shit. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know if we can just get past the laggy shit, it would be a really cool way to have you know have server side mm-hmm. games. That's what we're sure. essentially looking at. Yeah, it's what we want. But. It's just, yeah, it's so laggy and, yeah. and bad. And, <laughs> yeah. But G- games have to feel responsive. It is a literal fundamental of game design. So, yeah, server side games are hard. Yeah. yeah. Also, in game development news, the head of PlayStation Studios, Herman Hultz, said that as of this week, 25 first party titles are currently in development, and that of those 25, half of them are new IPs. Shit, yeah. I mean, this is what they had to do, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, yeah, I'm sure they're going to come out swinging. And they have to make these kind of announcements mm-hmm. because all anyone's doing is sitting over there watching Xbox going, y'all release some cool shit. Y'all 
please release some cool shit. You have all the people we want to release cool shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Sony probably E3's wants to right the around the corner. I mean, they don't have any right now. Yeah. I mean, when people ask what games they want to play on the PlayStation coming up, they... Oh, uh, the response is, uh, we were just like a PlayStation, please. Yeah, we, well, uh, mostly we <laughs> were just, just like Netflix. PlayStation. I really want to spend 99% of my time watching <laughs> Netflix on a new PlayStation. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I would say we would announce some more stuff. I mean, because obviously we have stuff coming, but not, I mean, there, w- w- for, so far we have like Horizon is probably the me- next big AAA uh, first party title sure. coming for PS5. And like, we're not super aware of much after that, except for a uh, code name project I, I, I from mean, Square Enix. I mean, like Returnal kind of dropped out of nowhere, right? Like, we saw a trailer for it last year, but we we're like, what is this? Yeah, what is this? And it did look like the type of game that was going to come into the indie space. Yeah. So the, it, the fact that it was as big as it is and is doing as well as, as it is is great, because if not, I'd still just be waiting for Horizon. Right. And yeah, and then there's people like me that are just like, I would really like a PlayStation <laughs> 5, like please. A PlayStation 5, I, please. I have the money set aside. I want one, but I just can't get one. And it's not for lack of trying, Mm y'all. The Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, has submitted a report to Congress called Nixing the Fix. This report outlines policies instituted by manufacturers of devices of a wide range of products, such as phones, to show how they, the... um, Manufacturers make repairing devices that you own impossible and that it should be considered a bad business practice. Mm. Nice. Yep. I mean, I wish it was more strongly worded than that, but yeah. So, so the big, the big thing that's coming on here to kind of shed a little the bit. The right, right to repair is coming back up again, isn't right? It? So that's what this is. This is about the right to repair, mm-hmm. and so the, the that's the question that's being asked, which is um, like right now, if I were to take my PlayStation Four and I notice it's being a little bit loud, mm-hmm. and I bit. and I open it, and the moment I crack that case mm-hmm. to just blow some air into the fan and clean it out. I have lost my manufacturer's warranty mm. and have fucked it. Oh yeah, because they put a little sticker on there, and the moment that sticker, sticker breaks, they're like, "Sorry, it's out of that's out of thing." Right, no, that and was that used that, to be the case right. until the right to repair got put in, which was the no people are allowed to open the things that they own up, right? Because right. Shit breaks, yo. Yeah. Right. And so the thing that phones are doing to get around this is making it literally impossible to open the phone. Mm. Without and a parts. great deal of equipment. Right. right now, most phones are glued shut. The screen is glued on. You have to freeze a phone, put spacers in, and slowly rise it to even be able to remove the screen to get into the phone. I'm talking about the phone we both had, the essential phone. Mm-hmm. Like, you could not open that phone. It mm-hmm. was unrepairable, and it did not have a replaceable battery. There was nothing you could do to get into this phone without bricking it. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of manufacturers do this. I, iPhone, notorious for this. Mm-hmm. Pixel phones, not any better. LG, Motorola, everyone does this yep. now because they don't want a secondary market and they don't want people re-engineering their phones so that you can keep your iPhone 5 way through iPhone 11 and 12. Right. Yeah, we don't, they don't want people coming in there and installing memory upgrades mm-hmm. or being able to just... Yeah, a long time ago, when, when smartphones first came out, there was a company that was wanted to make interchangeable parts mm-hmm. for cell phones. So you could always just upgrade whatever piece you wanted. They, yeah. yeah, I and, remember those patents. Mm-hmm. And that's it's still the way it should be. The, mm-hmm. the idea that this open source phones. Yeah. 
But you can go and get the new model camera that was released by either like Hitachi or Datsun or whoever. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I want that camera in my phone. And yeah. boom. And then you have all the features of whatever app it yeah, comes think, with. Right? Think about instead of like the, oh, we have to wait for Apple or Google to give us the newest, best camera mm-hmm. or this other company. We can go to, let's say, Canon, mm-hmm. who has been making lenses and cameras for over 100 years yeah. and goes, oh, by the way, here's our lens. Yeah. And you can plug it into whatever fucking phone you want. Yeah. And it's like, and it blows everybody else's shit away. Yeah. And then you get this, it would be a more interesting market. It would be a much more interesting market. And phones would be a thing I'd pay so much more attention to. Yeah. Because, and not even You'd because have I want to have the best, but because I have one that is customized to me. Right. right? And th- that's what I want. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, more details have emerged about the Final Fantasy remake expansion called Integrade. According to Square Enix, it will remain exclusive to the PS5 for at least six months. So this means that it's most likely we won't see Final Fantasy VII Remake on other platforms till mm. about December. Right. Um, that's kind of what this the, the back end of this is what people are theorizing because we're waiting mm. for it to come out to PC or Xbox or yep. something. We knew that Final Fantasy VII Remake wasn't going to remain exclusive forever. Mm-hmm. It makes oh, sense yeah. that they would do for it sure. in, in, in a wanting to have it around a December time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That to get those those sales on the other platforms that that's when they're going to do yeah. either and, and I really that's want other thing. people to be able to play it like my friends who a lot of my friends who can't get a PS5 and don't want a PS4 uh, really want to play Final Fantasy 7 and we are hearing that like the Final Fantasy 7 um, integrate the, the expansion mm-hmm. was built Square Enix is using the quote it was built for the PS5 so mm-hmm. a lot of people are wondering if this means we won't be getting a PS4 version I am almost positive they won't be just based on what I saw. I don't know if they can get what they made to run on a PS4. Um, it's true. Maybe they can. Maybe they're great. It, it just seems so rough. It's like the ray right tracing now. thing. It's like it's the PS4 ain't got that. Yeah, and no. you can tell that it's turned on in the, the expansion mm-hmm. for the. Oh yeah, it's just—it's a really rough time because we do have this, uh, you know, conductor shortage, and yep. we aren't manufacturing as many Playstations, and so it—it it kind of just sucks. It kind of hurts a little bit. Mm-hmm. It hurts a little bit to be like, yeah, this this great thing that everybody wants to play is going to be coming out, and only like half of you can play it because good luck getting a PlayStation. Yeah, there's so much of the market left behind right now, and that just kind of feels like a whole bunch of leftover from COVID, right? Mm-hmm. No one can get the next gen graphics card. No one can get the next gen consoles. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, not going away anytime soon, guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, that's one of the things I pay attention to is the the semiconductor play space, mm-hmm. and with the drought that's going on right now in uh taiwan yeah that's where literally every playstation and xbox and graphics card is going to have at least part or at least some of their chips coming out of yeah and they're not they're gonna you're literally they've already said in july unless they something happens they are having to shut down completely because of the drought right. there will be no manufacturing until they can get more water in this isn't going away anytime soon. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. all right. Well, that's it for our news roundup. Stick around. And on the other side, we're going to deep dive into PlayStation in the boss room. Boss room. Welcome everybody to the boss room. Our main discussion for the podcast, sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. Sony recently has been under fire as two lawsuits have been filed against them, claiming that PlayStation customers have been overcharged by billions of dollars due to policies that prevent retailers from selling digital codes. 
So before April 1st, 2019, the PlayStation Store digital games could be purchased at retailers. Uh, Basically, this let retailers set the price and put them on sale. Uh, According to the lawsuit, consumers limited to a single source for purchasing any digital PlayStation content are forced to pay a higher price for digital PlayStation games than, than they would in a free and unrestrained competitive retail market. So, as an example, right now, I'm able to go and purchase a game, right? Let's say Animal Crossing. Sure. I can use it via a game code on a card that I bought at my local Target. Mm-hmm. Now, Target can choose to set whatever want, price they want for said card. Usually, it's full price, but, you know, maybe sometimes they discount it later on. Mm-hmm. As of right now, PlayStation has no such option, and as such, only the PlayStation Store can set prices on digital games. So... We do need to discuss this. We need to talk about uh, what it can mean, specifically how much control should the company have over the marketplace. Um, There's there's a lot of things that we have to take into consideration here, Mm -hmm. right? Because we have a PS5 now that's the all-digital edition, right? which means... There's literally no option to get anything on the console other than at the PlayStation Store. Right. Mm -hmm. And you are now subject to the whims of the PlayStation Store, Mm -hmm. right? Right. That is is all you have the option for. Mm -hmm. So we need to talk about yeah. market control. Right. So I have a I have a really big final point that I'm going to save for a little while, but I don't mean to defend Sony here at all. Um, they I, I think it's probably a good thing that they're being sued because it sheds more light on the Apple Store, which this is a perfect analog for. Mm-hmm. The Apple Store is a closed ecosystem on their device. Right. Uh, they have complete control over what you charge, over like everything that you do, even if you bring your app to the Apple Store and say, I want you to sell this. Like what they say goes, you have to sign all those contracts. That's mm-hmm. where it is. You don't get to sell your thing at a discount without their approval. Right. Um, and that's the, the, the nature of the game with the Apple Store. They've been sued. They're being sued by Epic right now mm-hmm. um, for not letting them set the price for their own goods while also still listing it app on the Apple Store. Right. The obvious solution being, well, don't fucking sell it on the Apple Store. But no one wants to lose that on that market share. Right. It is an enormous piece of market share. The same can be said for what Sony is doing. And again, I'm not agreeing with it. But what you have on this device is a closed ecosystem where nothing gets on it that they say doesn't get on it. And Mm -hmm. I understand wanting to protect your product that way and the way it looks and the way it feels. And not that Sony does a great job of this because Sony has let some really shitty products onto their store for purchase. Mm -hmm. And embarrassingly so. Jim uh, uh, Sterling, uh, Stephanie Sterling, however however they want to be called. Both names are acceptable. Both names are acceptable they have lots of episodes on just really bad games that somehow pass sony's like smell test and Mm. like you can buy this game on the playstation store and it's a complete piece of shit so i'm not saying that they have perfect control over their ecosystem but i understand them wanting to Mm. um what that means for consumers is bad it is anti-consumer to uh, not allow your product to be sold anywhere else. It just is. That being said, I can't wholly disagree with them, but I'll let someone else talk. Okay. Do you have any early thoughts about this? No, not really. Honestly, it's I. You can tell that Sony's at fault. So mm-hmm. it's I, and I feel that this is indicative of a larger issue with Apple mm-hmm. and app stores in general, and. Like in the break in between, I mean, we were talking about the the, the phone bits, mm-hmm. and it's 
it's that open source obviously is the way that everything should be mm-hmm. like it's well like on, on pc we have almost to a fault far too many choices for buying video games right. i can get a want a game on steam day one but i'll probably end up purchasing it from green man gaming for like 10 percent off because their entire business model is selling new games for 10 percent off right that's how they sell more codes and that's how they make up the money that they give you by the discount mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of markets like this on PC and there used to be plenty of them for things like PlayStation. There still are for Xbox. There still are for Nintendo. PlayStation decided to stop playing the game. Yeah. And I want to talk for a minute about not playing the game. Um, you mentioned that if you go into a store and you want to buy Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. that you can buy it from a card. Now, it's usually full price, but sometimes it's discounted. Yep. Now, why on earth would it be discounted? Yeah, I would just assume the age of the game. Right. So is it the age of the game or is it that they have copies to sell and they're not moving because it's old? Okay. So they have inventory on the shelf Mm -hmm. that nobody has bought. Mm -hmm. So they lower the price so that to make it more attractive to people so that they'll buy it. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that is how a sale works. Most most companies, I don't speak for all of them, do not do this out of the kindness of their hearts or because arbitrarily they think their product has aged. They do it because of demand and supply. Right. Now, here's the thing about digital games and not playing the game. Is there's no such thing as a demand as a supply problem with digital games. Mm-hmm. Period. There is not. Now, whether or not you put it on sale and whether or not that has to do with the age of the game, we'll find out. We'll find out what Sony does with that. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason for them to pretend that the product has scarcity. Mm-hmm. And when you give it to a store, suddenly the product can have scarcity because they only have so many codes. Mm-hmm. By not playing this game, by not sending things out to people, yeah, they probably won't end up selling it at a discount anytime soon. But they're not overcharging people. They're charging them as much as they think it's worth, not as much as the demand demands Mm -hmm. because there's no supply problem and there never will be a supply problem. So uh, to me, the idea that we're suing them because they're overcharging consumers doesn't make any sense. They're they're just charging them what they think it's worth. And whether or not people buy it, that that will set the price because I promise you if day one Returnal sold zero copies, it wouldn't cost $70 right now. It would cost 30. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's absolutely true. Um, and that's one of the things we have to consider is that we are as a society kind of ingrained at this point because of things like GameStop mm-hmm. that we assume that the value of a product diminishes over time, right? Mm-hmm. You go into um, a GameStop, and if I want to buy Saints Row for the Xbox 360, I damn well do not expect to pay 60 bucks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Xbox has been very good about making those kind of changes on their back end. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, an older game does get mm-hmm. kind of depreciated a little bit in, the, in value, mm-hmm. and that's what they do with it. Mm-hmm. Sony seems to really keep a hard cap on the amount their games are, unless it's on sale. That's true. That, that, that being said, Sony has an, and this is true of every first party Sony game. There's the greatest hits collection and mm-hmm. they, those are all their first party titles that they could probably charge full price for for a long time and they're just like these games because they've had their heyday these are thirty dollars now mm-hmm. or these are twenty dollars now you know because we know you love them and for anyone who didn't now you can get them stuff like that they yeah. do end up discounting their games now these now this is all first party stuff i don't know what 
this could possibly mean for the Call of Duties of the world mm -hmm. on the PlayStation. I know that it's the most in-demand console and that those the Call of Duties of the world won't lose out on market share by not being able to control the price of their product. So it feels like new territory for games in general, a territory that Apple cracked a while ago. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't like it. But I think that the... If it's going to change, it's going to be with wallets, not lawsuits. Okay, I could see that. It's a very complex issue, right? Because on one side, you look at this and go, well, no, like we, we, they should obviously not just have like that much control over their ecosystem. Right. But at the same time, this is their ecosystem, right? It's literally their this ecosystem. Is, this is kind of, you play in their sandbox or you don't. This mm -hmm. is the Epic Game Store all over again. This mm -hmm. is Steam. Steam said, you know, we charge a certain amount for your games to be on our platform. Mm -hmm. You pay that to us and this is what you get. Epic mm -hmm. came in and said, we're going to do the same thing, but cheaper. And yep. that's fine. That's a respectable stance to have. There's a reason why so many games did go to the Epic Store mm -hmm. because they had that they had a more open ecosystem that worked in, in tune with the developers. But Honestly, yeah, if you look at it that way, if you're looking at this entirely as the who's going to be uh, who's going to be most friendly to the developers and how is going going to go look past the lawsuit of it and mm -hmm. go, all right, if everybody at this point is just nothing but a storefront, mm -hmm. I and mean, that's all the Xbox is, is a storefront. You buy a five hundred dollars storefront. Yeah. That's all the PlayStation in is a five hundred dollars storefront. You buy other games through and services through. That's what Steam and everything is. It's the installers. They want to get you through these other. Everybody wants you to be part of their ecosystem, mm -hmm. and we're all angry at all of them for all different reasons. Mm -hmm. right. We don't like Steam for some of their practices. We, we don't yep. like Epic because their security is bad. Yeah, it's Epic, mm -hmm. and we don't like Apple because it's we, we all have these. Yes. Yeah historical reasons for why we don't like Apple and your ecosystems that do things like this. Mm. And when we look at the, at the end, we have to kind of go, okay, who's the most that's playing nicest with the developers right now? Mm. Where's, where are these properties going? Where are people going to move to? Because as a gaming culture slash the humanity, we're going to go like, we're going to obviously go, you're being a dick and do lawsuits against them. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to move and spend our money elsewhere, which is where the money comes in. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of looking like Sony's going to need to get their head out of their ass and start playing with everybody else. And maybe start putting their games on everybody else's platforms yeah. and branch, you know, some olive branches. Well, they're having a lot of weird. It, it would be nice. <laughs> and that's the thing about Sony that I love and everybody hate at the is. same time. Yeah. I, 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 I dislike a lot of their game practices. I dislike the fact that the Epic lawsuit revealed how much they fought cross-play and cross-compatibility mm -hmm. because they were by far... Well, Nintendo was by far the, like, lol, no, get the fuck out. <laughs> but Sony was, like, actively trying to keep the people who wanted to play from playing by mm -hmm. being like, no, you need to listen to me. This is bad for all of us. Like, like Sony was super against it. It's Prager University all over again. I hate all of that shit. Here's the thing, though. Most AAA game innovation comes from Sony, period. Like, they just brought roguelites into the AAA space. That has not happened before. Right. They, when they do things like The Last of Us or things like Infamous, when they take, you know, a game and, like, elevate it a level and bring it into the mainstream, like, that's that, that's that Sony magic that's been alive since, like, the PlayStation 3. That's cool shit. And they use all of their angry anti-consumer money to fund this. And I love the games, and I love what they do for games. I just don't like buying from them a lot of the time because they 
they're not really nice to you know consumers. but but as it as it stands it's the only way you can get all of these games that you want to play it is absolutely and there was nothing i could do about the 70 dollar price of return except play except pay it yeah yeah and that was it and or wait for a sale or wait for a sale which i mean a sale on a ps5 game is probably a long way off yeah yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. people getting one it's not mm-hmm. gonna happen for two years yep. <laughs> There's just, just no need to. I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about because there are so many things that we can consider bad business practices, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about things like the um, Epic Apple lawsuit, which is definitely not our, our point of discussion for here. But you, what you had mentioned was it came out during the hearings that like Sony actively said, you know, we don't want cross play. Yep. We don't want to have our, our systems playing with other systems because mm-hmm. why would you on a PlayStation at that point if you could play the same games with everybody else? Mm-hmm. Like these were really harsh things that they weren't accurate accusations there were emails they showed yep. it and said like here's the evidence sony was fighting us on like doing yeah. cross play and all this stuff for Fortnite mm-hmm. when all we wanted to do is have gamers play together right the, the the big the thing that sony has and that they're right they've been riding on since the end of the playstation 3 is install base mm-hmm. and that if you want to play it with your friends who all have playstations you need a playstation and they, right. they were able to ride that because they were outselling the competition like crazy now no one's selling shit because there's not shit to buy right so literally all sold out right yeah. so they they don't want you to be able to and play spec with wise they're the exact same console right. right so they don't want you to be able to play with your xbox friends on your playstation because if you don't have a playstation yet and suddenly you can get an xbox easier you might just go that way because yeah. it's all the same and your playstation friends you'll be able to play with them on the xbox it's no big sure. deal yeah accidentally right now i can play destiny with playstation and xbox users on pc because it got turned on early oops good yeah they're just they'll, they're like yeah we're gonna patch that in like a week but like have fun till then yeah like that's the shit we've been asking for for fucking years when fortnite players were like yeah we always sh-, or in call of duty players were like yeah we can do mobile and pc and console all together yes you mean i can know- play call of duty all the time <laughs> yes right. And from the developer's point of view, they're like, yes, we want our players to play together all the time and be not yeah. to stop. Don't stop talking about our fucking games. Yeah. Yes. And then you have Sony over here and you're like, yeah, guys, but it's going to be another 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and it feels like there's always that. Where's that other 60 bucks from from Sony that they're not understanding that that's not the business model anymore. Right. That we've moved on past that. Hey, the game's 60 bucks. The problem is that when you're in the lead. You've got the blinders on at that yep. point, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You're in the lead, and so you don't know what's creeping up behind you, and everybody right. else is teaming up. Everybody else is saying, like, we are all going to play together, mm-hmm. right? This is no longer about getting just one person in first place. We can all get to first place together as long as we get that motherfucker out of the way. Yeah. And yep. that's what this feels like. This feels like them being like, we need to change, you know, this people's That's what I bring up as the entire industry, mm-hmm. because this isn't just consoles mm-hmm. that this is going affecting. This is cell phones yeah. and PC. This is the entire gaming space. Mm-hmm. And from literally the simplest of cell phone games to the most complicated fucking PC games, yeah. yep. this shit affects. And unless Sony starts playing nice on with developers and with us as consumers, mm-hmm they're going to get left behind. And because, yeah. yes, they sure. are in the front still right now because of the last year or so, but right now, everything is sold out. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. Everybody I know that doesn't give a shit if they get a PlayStation or an Xbox, they just want one of them right. so they can play one of the new games. Yeah, right. if we could please. The, I, everybody wants a new graphics card. doesn't give a shit if it's from AMD or NVIDIA. They're like, I just want the one that I can actually buy for a decent price. Right. Mm-hmm. And... If Sony's going to play this shit with the developers and the consumers are 
I like to say that are getting smarter and smarter as time goes on are now starting to see this shit mm-hmm. more and more when they're realizing, oh, it's the cell phones are doing it and mm-hmm. the game consoles are doing it. Oh, and these other companies. When people start. We are now understanding what bad business practices are. Yeah. Right. Like as a culture, mm-hmm. we can go. No, fuck you. Right. Even if you're going to make a really cool game, we're going to get that point where you're like, yeah, no, dude, fuck you. You're being an asshole. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And the thing about a digital store is, again, that it, there, there's no reason to pretend that you need to have a sale. Mm. There, there's and I bought an all digital PlayStation. Now, if I wanted hard copies of my games, I could definitely get them discounted. No problem. Mm-hmm. But I have an all digital PlayStation because I, I just don't fucking like discs. I don't use this. Mm-hmm. I would only use it for Blu-rays. Right. And you've already got a PS4. And, and, and I've already got a... Why, why would you need another Blu-ray player? Exactly. <laughs> so, the, yes. Um, I mean, developers aside, the, 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 the consumer thing, it, it, it's kind of a bummer. I would like to be able to run into a store if I needed to and grab a code for a game. At this point, the best I could do is grab a, you know, a hundred dollar gift card for the PlayStation right. store to buy a $70 game and have some change left over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to buy the season pass, which, which there is a whole other mm-hmm. question, which we don't need to get into in this episode, mm-hmm. which is why is there a $70 physical version of the game and a $70 digital version of the game? Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, the game is a game. We don't even think about like packaging and everything like that anymore because it's just, we imagine that as factored in. And and the game shouldn't be $70 to begin with. I mean, no games are, it's bullshit. The the, the, the price of games going up is bullshit. Most games do not cost $60. Most games cost $60 plus plus, especially in the AAA space. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't necessarily true of Returnal right now. There is no additional content. The game is complete as it is, and it's very good so far. Right. Um, You think that it was worth the cost that you you put into it? I do. I I mean, I had a great time with it, and I'm still having a great time with it. Mm-hmm. I, I I checked today and I've put uh, like 34 hours into it. Nice. And I'm, I literally just got to the end of my first run mm-hmm. and I'm still going strong and it's been great. Uh, 29 deaths, by the way. Wow. You beat me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, the... I don't know how to blame Sony for this because I can't put my finger on what they're doing that is wrong. I just know that it's not everyone's favorite and they can't keep it up. Right. No. Them having that much control over their ecosystem and them always setting the price as high as they uh, want it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's an argument to be made on both sides of this. One of the things we haven't thought about here is what is more beneficial, and, and I'm not saying this mm-hmm. as a professional, I do not work in this space, what is more beneficial to the developer, right? Because mm-hmm. we want to we think in terms of the developer. Right. Right. Is, it, is it more beneficial to keep their game forever at $70 on the PlayStation Store? Oh, or is it more beneficial to drop that price down to 40 bucks after three months. Sure. But I mean, this is assuming that a game will stay the same price forever. It's not like Sony never has sales and never have discounts. They do seasonal sales all the time on different things. Most people don't mention PlayStation sales because there's no reason to, because they're usually, you know, a 20% discount on games you already see. There's nothing hot in a PlayStation sale usually ever. Now they have been giving away a lot of games lately. Yeah, but um, PlayStation Store sales are are are, are fine. They're, they're whatever. If you were gonna wait for a sale, there it is. It's here for the summer, or it's here for Christmas, or it's here for Thanksgiving. You know, or it's here for Halloween for horror games or something. Yep. Um, 
But yeah, so games will eventually be discounted. They're not frozen in time forever. It's just, again, it's a matter of demand. And if you really, and if your game sales drop, they'll probably drop the price. But uh, yeah, I, when it comes to developers, we have no idea how this affects, affects developers because it's not part of the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. No one's saying that developers are making less because the PlayStation Store isn't selling game codes at Target. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But yeah. um, I mean, it's neither here nor there. Okay. I think. I know this is a really complicated issue, and normally lawsuits aren't something that we bring up on the show, but I thought it would be very fascinating for us to kind of deep dive into it, talk about different storefronts. It was kind of a, the PlayStation lawsuit was kind of a lead in to talk about other uh, other things. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we've all had some excellent points. Anybody have any closing arguments before we uh, wrap up? I, I really wish that I could. Um pre-order a game not on the playstation store uh i used to be able to just you know go to amazon mm -hmm. see a game coming out and like pop in my amazon money real quick buying a game on the playstation store is kind of a pain in the ass because they make you put in your password and like if you don't have a card saved you have to put that in and we all know what that's like with a controller mm -hmm. even just putting in my password with a controller sucks ass i really I, I would honestly never buy a game on the playstation store if i could buy one somewhere else it's a convenience thing because if I buy it on Amazon and it's connected to my PlayStation account, it just knows. And this was like pre-2019 when they used to do this. Yep. It just knows and my console will start downloading the game. Please bring that back or make it easier to buy games through you. One or the other. Just like if you're going to if you're going to lock it down, just make it convenient. Okay. Tony, do you have any final thoughts? Honestly, just fucking let them keep locking it down. Let them fucking do it. No, it's everybody, we call it their ecosystems. It's their own, it's their own micro economy for what they want to sell their games at. They want to have their own internal economy to their own business practices, which I don't know from an international business perspective, I guess fine. Every com company is its own country and person as well, <laughs> according to everybody else. <sighs> it's, I'm totally fine with them doing this. Mm -hmm. I, I, the not having codes in store, awesome. Less fucking stupid ass plastic. Let's not fucking have codes laying around anyway. That shit's fucking dumb. Mm -hmm. Stop making physical goods. Let's just get rid of that first off. <laughs> just go all, all digital um, everything. Yeah, just get, stop. No one has time for your shitty fucking discs and packaging. Yeah. Except for I kind of miss the way opening a disc smells. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they don't even have cool booklets anymore. Yeah, and the artwork's generally shit, and half the time most of the games are crap, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a complicated issue and not one that's easily solved. Um, obviously, just between everybody here at the panel, it looks like you know we all have differing opinions about it, and I don't think this is... I don't think we're the big brains that are going to have the solution to this. No, no, that's um, going to happen in court, and it's going to be I, real I think funny. the most important thing about this is that the, the lawsuit is happening and that what happens from this lawsuit will come to be felt throughout other companies for years to come. I hope this goes all the way to the top and we just, we get to hear a Supreme court justice say like crash bandicoot or something <laughs> like into a recording. That's where I hope this goes just because it's going to be fun um, to see what happens. Because honestly, either way this breaks, I'm not sure how it's going to break. Cause we're still litigating the Apple shit. Mm. This is probably years in the making unless something in the market changes and the lawsuit is dropped. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm honestly, kind of looking forward to following how this lawsuit progresses. Yeah, it's going to be really crazy. Mm -hmm. All right, that's everything that we have for the show this week. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, anything you want to add to the conversation, uh, if you want to talk about this lawsuit or any other things that we've been talking about this week, Tony, where can they find us? Um, at GNGGcast on uh, Twitter. Info at GNGG at goodnight.gg is our email address. We can go to goodnight.gg. That's our website, which is just goes to Patreon where you can, you know, just 
join up or also get our show. Yeah. That you can get our there. show there. You, yeah. you can get some. Our posts and stuff are going to be there now. Um, so go over to goodnight.gg or gnggcast at whatever the fuck, literally at, at Facebook and everything else. Yeah. So that's, if, yeah. if you used to follow us on Twitch at the Surly Nerd, you may need to refollow us at gn, gnggcast. GNGGcast. And if it sounds like we're uh, stuttering Twitch. over all this a lot, GN. you got to realize that we had 400 episodes under one name and we just switched over. Yo, there's <laughs> three it, of the same letter in it. Yeah, it's very hard to say. <laughs> It's going to sound really natural soon, but we're still getting used to it. We, we are getting there. We that promise. is everything that we have for the show this week. Thank you to all of you who tune in every week for us and give us your feedback and who talk to me on through uh, Twitter. I absolutely uh, love getting messages from everybody. Until next week, for Tony, this is James. For James, this is Tony. And I'm Hector. Adventures, good night. And good game.